Gratitude That's my everyday What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. Today's guest is Michelle Thornton, and uh, it was a really amazing conversation. And um, me and Michelle met on the road uh, a couple years ago when I was traveling around um, on my own journey of self-discovery and experiencing, you know, my freedom and traveling. And um, she actually reached out to me. She's a high school teacher and she uh, wanted me to come speak to her students. And I agreed and uh, ended up spending some time with her. And and we just really connected on a deeper level, a spiritual level. Um, She actually took me to, we didn't actually dive into this in the podcast, but maybe I'll have to get her back on. But she actually took me me to one of her um, mentors for my first intuitive reading uh, with this woman named Midge. I think we mentioned her in the podcast. We don't really dive deep into that because we, cover such a, a wide um, array of topics. Um, but Michelle's a really special, special woman and she's showing up, she's a teacher and she's bringing these uh, mindfulness practices and emotional and mental awareness into uh, the schools, which I think is, is huge. Um, I think it's a real missing piece in um, the society and the culture that we're building and really helping navigate um, you know, life with uh, emotional awareness and mental toughness um, is so important for our youth. And she's definitely showing up and um, bringing that work to the world, which is really exciting to, to witness. And she shares her journey through that and, you know, stepping into the unknown and being called to do the spiritual work and not knowing what it looks like. Um, another thing we really talk about, and it's a huge part of her story is uh, she had a, uh, I'm a baby who ended up living just for a couple months, had a, a muscular degenerative disease and, and ended up not surviving. And just the, the power that that experience had on her. Um, and she, she offers, uh, you know, support and advice for uh, women who might be experiencing something similar. And I think this is a very powerful episode um, because I think, you know, going and witnessing Sarah through the birth of our child and how much, um, goes into it and how much there is to process uh, with a healthy child. Um, I can't imagine uh, what life must be like um, to have to witness um, the, the death of your child in that way. And I, um, I really appreciate her opening up in that way. And I think, you know, through like understanding that a lot of people that go through these traumatic events, they, they really um, internally suffer and, and feel very isolated and alone in the experience and uh, my intention, you know, and hope for her sharing her story is that if you are going through something similar or you know somebody that has that, you know, this conversation offers um, some support and to know that you're not alone. And um, I really hope that her sharing so openly and vulnerably um, has an impact on your life. Um, and we talk a lot about, you know, different different stuff and it's a really fun conversation and I'm really Uh, grateful for uh, Michelle and, um, you know, her coming on to share her wisdom and her experience. And I know you guys are going to enjoy it as well. Um, And if you are a premium member, make sure you stick around till the very end because we have the extended episode for anybody that is a premium member. If you're not a premium member and you really feel called to support the podcast more deeply and by more deeply, I mean financially, um, I've set up this premium model where I'm creating a lot of amazing content just for subscribers it's $7 a month. That's the cost of a latte at Starbucks. So don't tell me you don't have it. And it's going directly into the support of building this podcast out. I got a couple of team members now. I'm really trying to scale this thing out and grow it and create better content for you, uh, the listener. If you feel called to support in that way, um, I would very much appreciate it. Um, if you don't feel called and you want to support this podcast for free, a really good way to do that is to take just 30 seconds, pause it, go leave a five-star review, say some nice words about me and you know how amazing I am and um, how you enjoy this podcast. And uh, that would really go a long way. Every rating I get helps elevate the podcast, grow the audience, get it out to more people and really share this message of love and connection and curiosity. And I love all you. Thank you so much for the continued support. And I really hope you enjoy this conversation.
Michelle, what's up? How you doing? Hi, what's good? What's good? What's good? Oh, so good to, to chat with you and connect with you. Um, welcome to Quantum Coffee. Thank you for having me. I remember when you first told me about the title of this podcast and I was like, yes, this is so you. <laughs> yeah. So to all the listeners, Michelle is a, a good friend and uh, really excited to kind of share her with all of you and have this conversation. Uh, we met while I was on the road um, for most of you that have been following me, I, you know, I traveled after I was done playing for almost two years. And while I was on the road, I was traveling up the East Coast in my second van. And um, Michelle reached out to me. She, she teaches at a high school. She's like, I would love for you to come, you know, share some of your wisdom with, with my students. And it was an, a real amazing experience. It was just one of the many experiences that really had a profound impact on my life. Um, just going out into the world and meeting so many amazing like-minded people. And so me and Michelle have been connected for the last couple of years and I'm excited to, to have this conversation. So Michelle, share a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we can kind of dive into some of these unanswerable questions of the universe. I love that. Thank you for asking. Um, can I share one thing about your intro that you just said real fast? Yeah. Something came up. Don't so I don't know if I ever told <laughs> what'd you say? So don't embarrass me. <laughs> Not at all, but this is just how the universe was working through me mm. to find you because um, you have been an incredible part of my spiritual awakening and my journey. And um, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. Did I ever share you how I heard about you or your social um, media? I don't know. You can share yeah. it, though. I'm excited to hear it. So my students, I was teaching one day in the classroom and I'll get back to your original question about who I am. So I've been teaching for 16 years, um, health and phys ed, and mostly in the structure of nutrition, mental health, and now more in the branch of mindfulness. But back then, I think it was like two years ago, I was teaching in the classroom and I had a student one day say, <clears throat> Miss Thornton, you need to meet this man Van Dahl guy. He sounds just like you. He's so inspirational and he's just a free spirit, you know, and they're in high school, so they don't. <laughs> They don't not, I don't want to say they haven't seen or heard about a lot of things related. They don't have to, any life experience, right? Yeah. yeah. So they see something and you might've said one thing in a post that I have said in class. So, you know, I threw it away and I just didn't listen to it. I didn't even look up your name or anything. And I was just like, okay, whatever. Then I go home and I had a Facebook message from a friend and she was like, she sent me one of your Facebook posts, I guess. And I was like, all right, universe, I hear you. You're sending me this person twice. Let me go scope them out. So I scoped you out and I'm just like, okay, so now what? <laughs> you know, how am I supposed to like, what am I supposed to do? So I meditated on it. And the thought came up. I remember being on my couch in my apartment and the thought came up, guest speaker. And I was like, okay, got up, grabbed my phone. I think it was like eight o'clock on like a Saturday night. And I DM'd you and I was like, yo, <laughs> I'm a teacher from New Jersey. <laughs> How would you feel about being a guest speaker? I think my students would really love to see you in person and to hear that like money, fame, all that stuff doesn't really fill you up. Mm. And I think you messaged back um, that night and you were just like, um, I'm a little nervous of public speaking, but yeah, I got to do this now. <laughs> You're like, I'm coming up that way. I'll reach out to you soon. So that's how that came about, which I thought was such a cool way of the universe bringing me exactly what I needed because I was thinking, you know, Oh, maybe I'm going to help him or um, I don't know. I just thought it was, it was meant to happen. And now looking back, you know, two years ago, wow, like my life has completely transformed and a huge part of it was you and me seeing and having the courage to kind of do what you did with you leaving the NFL and taking that leap of faith. Like you taught me how to take leaps of faith. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. That really fills me up. You know, it's like when I was on the, on the road, I felt, cause I didn't know what this was going to come of. And then I ended up deciding, like, I, I, f I almost felt this responsibility because I had a lot of resistance to social media and sharing the journey and all this stuff. I was like, I have an opportunity to go experience this freedom that most people can only dream of. And I felt called to share just, you know, my process. And in that process, like just hearing stories like yours and how many people were inspired by what I was doing. I'm just so grateful that I decided to share it because I still have resistance to social media, but it taught me a lot about showing up and being more vulnerable publicly. And then 
you know, I do feel called to continue to get in front of people and having an opportunity to come speak to your class was just, for me, it was like, okay. Cause I remember like hitting the road, I was like, I need to get out of my comfort zone. That was the whole impetus behind the trip. And that's what I keep trying to share on my social channels is like on the other side of fear lies freedom, continue to get outside your comfort zone. On the other side of your comfort zone is where real growth happens. And for me, like one of my biggest fears is public speaking. And you're just reached out to me. I was like, okay, universe, like this is another opportunity for me to kind of get outside that comfort zone. And then obviously I got to meet someone amazing like you and we've been able to really stay in touch and just see each other's growth has been absolutely beautiful. <laughs> it has been, that was wonderful. Um, so I guess, should I go into my little, my bio? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just briefly. I, I mean, let's, let's talk a little bit about kind of deeper. So like, you know, you, you teach at high school and I want to get mm -hmm. more into like the education of children and kind of where we're at collectively in the whole system and, and the things that are missing and the work that you're bringing into the high school, which I think is really beautiful. But let's talk about you personally, um, kind of your spiritual path and, and what was that transformation like? Were you all, did you like grow up kind of with this connection to something greater? Um, and how did that evolve into like who you are now and, and your connection to God or the universe or however you want to call it? I had immense resistance to the word God, the word Jesus. Um, and fast forward to now, you know, I am fully connected I try to be connected as often as possible and I embrace all names. There is no, yeah, I just, me now compared to me through my childhood, I'm completely different. Um, I had such resistance. I went to Catholic school from K through 12, religion class every year. If you were to ask me something about the Bible, I would not be able to tell you a single thing. Um, Who is Jesus? I, what'd you say? Who is Jesus? Who's this guy? <laughs> tell me about him. Yeah. So I've been, I was thrown into it and it wasn't like a forced thing. Like um, we didn't always like pray before dinner and it wasn't like a strict household. Um, but I just was in it and not feeling it and not connecting with it. And I had some, a few like traumatic moments in my childhood that related to that um, of just me being pushed further, being like, no, like, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't know what I believe in. And then even through my teenage years and college years, I was still like, I don't know what I believe, you know, like I just, I just didn't know. And I didn't have any kind of direction. And I grew up like, you know, a typical athlete, I'm a health and phys ed major. So I loved sports. I played field hockey, basketball, golf, soccer, um, anything under the sun I loved. And I was actually like very gifted. I was always very good at anything I picked up. I had that vision, you know, which is cool to see now because, you know, one of my special things about me is this vision. I can see things um, and I can feel things. Like my teammates would always say like, how do you always know where I'm going to be on the field? Like I would always be able to just, like I would have been an incredible quarterback <laughs> if I played football. Yeah. Um, and with basketball, I like led with assists and I just always had this, um, adaptability to be able to like excel at things. So, but I just never felt connected to anything deeper through all that. I was just going through the motions, like, you know, typical kid. And then if we were to fast forward, so again, that whole time, total resistance to church, to God, everything, not feeling any direction. And then I um, got pregnant. What, what was that resistance before we get into that? What was that resistance like? Do you remember what was coming up? Like if I would have said the word God to you or talked about church, like what does that bring up within you back then? Um, hmm. So because it was, I don't want to get too detailed um, with the certain traumas that I went through, um, but it was uh, kind of like a, because something happened to me, I just felt so turned off by it. Mm, there was that, that experience that yeah. a lot of resistance because how could that happen if this person or the situation yeah. was connected to God? So I, yeah. And it wasn't anything like related to the church or anything. It was just something where I feel like my spirit was like beat down as a child and I just didn't feel smart and I didn't, and I wasn't excelling in that area. And, um, and that was just trauma, you know, physically, emotionally, like 
I think that's what the church kind of does create even on like, you know, a basic level is it's, it's, it's so revolved around shame and fear and like you're unworthy of God's love unless you're perfect, which, and then you have to have, you know, accept Jesus into your heart and, and, and he's the only one that can kind of take that away from you. And it just creates this, especially as a child growing up. I mean, I very much felt that it's like, it's a very intense fear and, and judgment and it's hard to really work through that, but it does create a lot of resistance within you. And it, it kind of makes you, you know, I'm grateful for it because it's, it's forced me to go on my own journey of, of self-discovery and questioning like, wait, if, if God is supposed to be love, then there's gotta be something more than this. Cause I don't feel it. And then going yeah. on my own journey to find that connection for myself, which I think is a, is a part of everybody's journey really. So continue on with uh, kind of the, your own personal journey. Thank you for sharing that. Cause when you were speaking, something just came up. It was, um, it's almost like that, that fear of not being like, just feeling so alone, I guess it's feeling like I know now with my face, I never feel alone. I always feel like there's somebody around me. I'm protected. I'm safe. And I think I was just so angry as a kid that I just felt so alone Mm. and it was like a silent suffering. And, you know, we were that family that always had people over. I was the youngest of four. We were all in sports and everything was great. My mom was a teacher. My dad had an amazing job, you know, like there was nothing externally wrong, but I always felt, I think it was also part of my, my being and who I am now, like, we, we tend to feel alone and secluded in our families when we are, you know, on a spiritual path in our adult years <laughs> and yep. maybe the rest of our family isn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I always felt a little disconnected and the fact that everybody else was going along with that structure through the Catholic church and all that. And I just felt so pulled out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wanted to resist it more because I think I was a typical teen. Like I would just wanted to go against what my parents said and, um, So coming full circle, what brought me back is a really beautiful story. Um, I ended up getting pregnant when I was 29. Yes. So I had a partner, him and I were together for nine years and it was a magical relationship. Like it was so unique, so different. We instantly connected, like it was total destiny and we were like, you know what, like, let's just start a family, you know, as planned. And I was so blessed, you know, now looking back, I didn't realize how much people really did struggle to get pregnant. Um, I was kind of clueless about that back then. So it happened pretty quickly and I was so blessed. Um, my pregnancy was wonderful. I did the little chalkboard updates and, you know, with how many weeks I was and my belly getting bigger and trying to stay fit and strong the whole time. Um, so throughout my pregnancy, everything was good. And then um, at my 18 week appointment, they told me I was having a boy. We did the reveal party and everything. And they pointed to the little penis on the ultrasound. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, whatever. Super pumped. I did the, back then I was so type A. Everything had to be organized. I was not a free spirit. Like if, and it was stemmed from my childhood. Like if things weren't perfect, there was chaos in my head. Mm. And I just had to, I had to like, just make sure everything was in line. So the boy room was done. The boy clothes were in the closet. And then three days before I deliver in July, um, I was measuring pretty big. And my boyfriend, he was six, two at the time. So I was like, okay, we're just having a big baby, a big boy, you know, whatever. So I go to get this ultrasound and I tell this story all the time in my classroom to my students, um, just cause it's, it's very real and they need to hear this kind of stuff. Like you cannot you know, big lesson, spiritual lesson, you can't plan life. Life happens with you and it happens for you. So as I'm laying there with the ultrasound happening, I'm sure you went through this with all of your ultrasounds with baby Luca. Um, the technician goes, wow, she's really swimming around in there. And I was like, oh no, uh-uh. nope, it's a boy. Sorry. <laughs> and she was like, um, that's the vagina, sweetie. You're having a girl. And I literally, like I had tears streaming down my face because I was so type A that I was like, my Everything's world was- wrong. Everything's out of place. <laughs> what do I do? I was like, oh my gosh. And the baby's about to be here. And you know, like when you get to that point where you're about to meet your baby and this precious being and this like, you're just, and for me, I was super excited to be a mom, to do things differently you know, than, than I grew up with. Mm. And, um, 
Yeah. So, and I, it's funny, my intuitive self knew it back then. I saw the technician's face and I was like, something's wrong. I was like, she's not telling us something. And I didn't say it to Bill, my boyfriend. I just didn't say it. I just was like, okay, I just feel like she was looking at me funny. But now that I know myself as this intuitive being, I, it's reading somebody. I was reading her. I, I could feel her energy. Something medically was wrong with my now daughter, <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to approach it. So then, um, long story short, I don't want to go into like, I could talk about this for two hours. So, um, we found out it was a girl. We decided to keep it for my family and surprise them so that when we would hand, you know, baby Micah to them, we'd be like, it's a girl and make it. So we wanted to keep it fun. The technician didn't say anything about anything medical. I ended up giving birth three days later. Um, and then Micah was born and it was instant tears. I just had these, it was the most intense um, emotion that I can remember feeling back then when I was not open as I am open now. Um, but that was the most intense emotion back then that I've ever experienced. And then it was immediately like bombarded with something's wrong. And Micah's arms and legs weren't kicking and, and moving as much as um, a healthy baby would have been. So I was just like, okay, they took her immediately to the NICU. I couldn't hold her. You know, I'm, they're taking me back to my room. I'm like pulling over to, <laughs> to throw up a little bit after all the medicine and everything that was inside. But it, that started this whirlwind of, okay, you know, how is this bringing me back to my spirituality and my faith? Well, Micah was only alive for two months. They, we thought it was something like muscular dystrophy. We were Googling everything. Um, so she had some sort of muscle disorder, but the whole time that she was alive, we had no idea what it was. You know, I was just waking up, going to chop to the hospital every single day, you know, staying with her long hours um, and pumping and she had a feeding tube. So I couldn't even like breastfeed, which was really sad. And I remember getting so angry pumping and, you know, in a separate room, just being like, why is this happening? Like, like what? And I would look at my siblings and they all each have, you know, three and four kids in each family. And I'm like, why is this happening to me? Like why her? She's suffering. And it was just two months of pure hell. Like I was 29 years old, like excited to plan life, thought I was having a boy, the boy room was done. And then this happens. And it's just like, your whole world is just flipped upside down. So at that time, I started blogging about it all, which was really like therapeutic. I would go home at night and like two in the morning, I would be pumping and I would like, you know, type a little bit after I'd pump and then I'd go to bed and repeat the th same thing all, all over again. Um, and then we got to a point where she wasn't like improving. She was getting, she was like declining a little bit and the doctor sat us down. There was like eight of them across from us and it's just him and I, and we're like, why are we sitting here? We're like, what are they about to tell us? And they were like, we need to talk about the quality of life. And I was like, what? Like, like uh, we have to make a choice, you know, like we, cause she had a little bit of an oxygen tube. Um, and without that, because of her muscle disorder, um, if you think about your diaphragm, you know, with breathing, it's all your muscles, you're using those muscles to do that. And, um, she couldn't keep her own secretions down. So she needed that little bit of oxygen to blow through her nose, down her throat to keep those secretions down. So they weren't sure if she could survive on her own without that tube. Um, and like I said, they did every test. They could not identify what kind of muscle disorder this was. Um, so then they sat us down. We had that conversation. We decided to see if she could you know, be on her own without the oxygen. We planned it. We baptized her a couple of days before, just in case. Um, my mom was wonderful and stepped up and went and got her this cute little white dress. And uh, my boyfriend's family came in from North Carolina just to prepare. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, so then it was August 29th. So she was born on July 13th, August 29th. Um, we decided to take the oxygen off around 10 a.m. And it was awesome. I was able to play with her away from wires. And I could like, I like Joe, I could never just pick her up and just walk around a room with her. She was always tied to these wires and to this little crib. 
So I got to, you know, they gave us like a little hotel room, like within the hospital, which is really dope. And I could like lay with her on a bed and, and she was good for, you know, up until about like 5 PM, she started to do a little bit of her, um, she would just have these breathing problems. Um, and it was her secretions just getting stuck in her throat, you know? So they gave her morphine, which was really wonderful. And it helped her not, you know, feel anything. And around six, six at, at six sixteen PM, um, she took her last breath in her arms and it was, the most, I don't like, you know, five years post loss, that's when I started to feel it. (laughs) You know, I wasn't feeling it in that moment. You were feeling that immense pain then, but not until four or five years post loss did I really understand the gravity of that moment and how much that changed my entire life. I always say the day that she died is the day that I woke up Mm. and she saved my life because I was not living. I was not connected to anything. I was not intuitive, intuitively listening to me in my heart. And I always say that Micah has been my greatest teacher. And that has is what brought me back to my truest, most authentic, most beautiful, radiant self. And it's, I owe it all to her. And that's why I think loss is just so beautiful. Mm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I think, you know, going through um, a pregnancy with my wife and and the birth of our son 10 weeks ago and realizing what a, you know, obviously never having gone through that experience um, and like witnessing it, witnessing her and just the amount of, of, of trauma and emotions and stories and connection and like how much actually goes into it. And, you know, realizing that this, you know, there is a lot of mothers that go through, you know, loss and pain, whether it's, you know, even going through full term or losing the baby during it. And and realizing with with Sarah, it's like, it is a very isolating experience as a mother and to go through, you know, such something like this. And I don't think it's, it's talked about enough. And I I really appreciate you, you know, sharing the story. And I think, you know, we look at life um, on a bigger, bigger picture in these, these moments, right? We, there's, there, there's deep, deep lessons and growth through them. And, um, you know, I'd love for you to share a little bit about that process and going through and how you, how you handled the grief. And, you know, it, obviously you said five years and, and it, it didn't mm-hmm. just happen like, Oh, this happened for me. You know, there's obviously a lot of processing to get to a point to be like, okay, like this, this moment changed me forever. And obviously there's some you know, wishing it was different, but looking at life and knowing that life is what it is and being able to process and understand on a, on a deeper level. So maybe share a little bit about that journey of processing and maybe some advice for, for maybe some mothers that might be going through it. Cause I think it's a very, it's not talked about enough. It's a very isolating mm-hmm. thing, even with a healthy baby, like Sarah's going through a lot of processing, a lot of emotions through this whole thing. Um, so maybe share a little bit of guidance through that process and how it did help you on your journey and your spiritual path to waking up to the the bigger picture of, of reality. Thank you for that. Um, I just want to say to anyone listening out there right now, I am so, so, so incredibly sorry if this is triggering for you. Um, my heart goes out to you because every stage of the journey every day is different. And the loss of a child is something so it's just, there's no name for it. You know, when you lose a husband or why, you know, there's names for those things. Um, and it's just this, like (laughs) my phone just went off. And when that happens to me in my intuitive readings, I always say that spirit confirming what I'm saying. (laughs) So sorry about that, but I think it's all beautiful and perfect. So I'm glad my phone just went off. Um, so yeah, so, um, I'm so, so, so incre- like incredibly sorry if that was triggering for anyone listening, because it, it can be triggering. It is not talked about. There is no name for it. Losing a child, whether it's a miscarriage, whether it's losing an infant, whether it's losing a 40-year-old son or daughter, it is all the same. As a parent, you feel this, this like tie to that human, to that little soul, whether they're an adult, whether they're a baby. And it is something that is just connected to you. It's a part of who you are. And when that is, when it feels in the human form, like it's cut off, 
As we know, it's not. They're always with us. Um, but for somebody listening right now, you might not be at that stage yet of understanding and seeing the bigger picture. And that is totally fine. You do not have to be there right now. You be where you are and you do not let anyone tell you that it's time to move on or it's time to put their baby clothes away or it's time to clean up the room or to stop sleeping in your son's bed. No, you do what you need to do to survive because it is survival. Mm. And I think that's where the gratitude that I've kind of inherited from this process has come into my life and into my body is I'm just so grateful for the sun because there were so many days where I just couldn't see it. It was there. And I just was so deep in my pain that I'm just like, I don't even know how to breathe. I used to have this like artwork (laughs) and I took it everywhere with me. I move a lot. Um, but it's, it says just breathe because that's how basic it had to be. And for those parents out there listening, um, or anybody grieving any sort of loss, like breathing will save you. If you just remember to get back to that present moment, take a nice big deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth and just appreciate where you are and that you have survived something so incredibly difficult And I see you, I wish I could hear you, I wish I could hug you, Um, but I see you. I'm not going to say I understand your loss, even if it's a mom who's also lost an infant, I will never stand in those shoes and say, I understand because I do not. It is your experience and I am just here to hold your hand through it. Um, But that's the best advice I could give um, parents grieving because that's specific to my little nook is I understand, I somewhat understand the loss of being a parent, losing a child, and then how do you move forward through it? You just feel what you feel. You don't listen to your external people telling you how to feel. You follow those nudges. Um, You understand that, like I said, five years later, it's still going to catch you. It's still going to knock you to your knees on the kitchen floor, cooking a dinner, and you're just going to sob. It is trauma in stored in your body. And it's a beautiful thing that if we felt all that trauma at that moment that it happened, we would not be able to handle that. Mm. So it's a beautiful thing that we were created this way where it surfaces later to help us. Because Mm. if it was all to be felt right then and there, it would be too much for us to handle. And that's why there's a lot of dissociation, a lot of people not remembering things or traumas happened to you as a child, you know, you black out and you're like, I don't remember my childhood much. Well, your, your mind was protecting you, but eventually your body is going to show you that that needs to come out. And that's why the healing journey is so wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. What you're doing with this podcast and having other people come on sharing their healing journeys, more people need to know how to release what they've been holding on to for so long. Um, so my best advice is feel what you're feeling. Don't listen to the, anybody else. Trust yourself. And um if you are, you feel called to read, listen, research information about what happens to us when we die, you know, so you can feel a little bit more comfortable with where your child is. Um, I highly, highly recommend that because that is what sparked me being okay with my daughter's passing was reading a book about past lives. Mm. Yeah. And I think one one thing that's coming to me as well, going through any kind of deep process like this, it can feel so isolating. Like I'm, and it's your own personal experience and you very much are the one going through it. And what I would offer is um, you're not alone. And, And I think a really powerful thing when you do feel ready is, is to reach out to maybe a support group of people that are, have gone through a similar experience so that you, you can share those emotions. You can process in a safe container where people can see you and feel with you and you guys can cry together and process because when we hold on to that, that's when the trauma kind of goes on in our physical body. If we're like trying to hold it in and go at it alone, but as soon as we can reach out and, and feel safe enough to really go through those emotions in a safe place and not anybody trying to fix us or tell us like, you know, toughen up, get over it. This, that, it's like, 
how can I go through this with people that can hold space for me? Because I know they've been through a similar thing and it's, it's hard if someone hasn't lost a child, like I, I wouldn't be able to hold space. I can hold space for you, but there's not that, that deep connection of shared experience. And I think that's really important on the healing path is to really not feel isolated. Like you're going through it alone. Um, and let's talk a little bit about, you know, cause I think there's this, you know, talk about spirituality and God. I think a lot of people go through a, a a trauma like this or such a deep grief experience. And I think the initial thing is like to ask the court, like, why God, why, why did this happen to me? Like, why would God create this experience? Why is there suffering in the world? Why, why, why? And either, you know, you turn your back on God or it, you know, creates this deepening of your connection and, and searching for that, that reason why. And I think that's a huge shared experience that a lot of people go through. And, you know, how did you handle that, 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 that questioning of, of God and how did you come to a place of actually forgiving God and, and kind of understanding, you know, on a deeper level, why this would happen to you specifically? Um, so when she initially passed it, I woke up, I started living my life differently. The gratitude started to pour in, um, but I still had that resistance because I still felt angry, you know, there, there's so much anger with grief. Um, and I think it, honestly, it took a couple years, you know, me reading those books, I read a book called many lives, many masters by Brian Weiss. And it was just, it was almost like when you said, forgive God, I was just like, in my head, I'm like, you know what? I don't, as soon as I opened up to the idea that it's, it's not a, it's not something that's done to us, you know, like in those books about past lives, it's, <clears throat> it's a lesson, you know, life is a classroom and people are our teachers and situations that are brought to us. I believe through my lens, how I like to see life is that I chose it. So as soon as somebody opened me up to that idea that we choose our path, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> can't blame anybody else now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, <laughs> um, I guess I chose to do this. Um, or I, now in the space that I'm in, I love like in the shower this morning, I was talking to Micah and I was like, all right, bring me the words to say on this podcast. I was like, speak through me. Cause I see her and I as the team now, like we are, you know, I don't have a partner. I don't have a family right now. I'm just like doing my thing and loving it. And I see her as my partner. Like, I feel like I chose to live this existence the way I'm living it for so long. I resisted it. Like I was just craving somebody, a partner where I would see people with, you know, three kids and I'd be like, why not me? You know, but now it's just, she's just here with me, (laughs) even though, you know, she's not physically here, but her spirit is with me closer than ever. And I feel like we have this mission now to share her, to share our love to share the love of God, to share the love of the universe, and that we are all always taken care of. All is always perfect. Finding gratitude, staying in the flow, feeling good. And anytime I'm not in the flow, I talk to her, you know, and to each their own, like other people might not get to that place and that's totally fine, but this is how I choose to look at life and to live my life. Um, And I love sharing it because I feel like that was the lesson, (laughs) you know, like, okay, if I chose this traumatic thing to happen to me, what am I going to do with it now? How am I going to respond to it? Um, And one of the lessons that I'm, I'm preparing another mindfulness program, a virtual program for the high school age. I just did one for elementary and middle school and it's been really successful. And now I'm preparing one for the high school. And one of the topics is, I believe it's E plus R equals O event plus your your reaction or response equals your outcome. So events are going to happen to us. I'm teaching these high school kids, like something's going to happen to you. I'm sorry, I can't prevent it. (laughs) But how you respond to it is what's going to come of it. And I don't know if you right now have anything coming up as I'm speaking, you can totally interject. I can see your eyes lighting up. So I'm not sure. Um, Do you have anything to add or? No, I think that's really beautiful because it is it is how we respond to any situation, right? And the events in our life, you know, the difference between a simple example, like getting cut off on the road while driving, you know, do you respond with road rage or do you respond with compassion? And 
you know, maybe you, you get triggered, but being able to breathe through that and be like, okay, I have a choice here to respond how this person cut me off. And that really comes down to self-awareness and awareness of how you're responding to certain events. And I think that's really important what you're doing with, with the education system. Cause we talked about before the podcast, this is something I really want to dive into because, you know, getting into the real world as an adult and realizing the two most important things that you need to interact with reality in the system that we've created is uh, financial literacy is one and emotional intelligence is the other and self-awareness. And I think it's really important to create a foundation of these skills um, emotionally and mentally at a young age. And it, it's fascinating to realize I didn't learn that in school. And I don't think a lot of people did. And I'd love to get your perspective as a teacher, kind of your journey, because I know you've tried to bring this into your classrooms individually. And now you're kind of being step, stepping up into more of a, uh, a bigger role of trying to bring this into the education system as a whole. So talk about your perspective with, you know, younger children, your own journey of trying to bring in this emotional awareness and mindfulness into the work that you're doing and the importance of bringing it into the education system and maybe why it hasn't been and how come it's so important now. Love that. So I think through sharing my story with my students, because Micah would be nine this July. So it's been, I started sharing her pretty quickly on and I think it was therapeutic for me to talk about it in my classroom. Um, I think me sharing that it just floodgates opened. I was like, holy moly, I would get so many emails. I would get parent emails back of people being like, thank you for sharing because I'm silently suffering with this, whether it had to do with loss or whatever, depression, anxiety. And it was just like, I was now that safe space, you know, talk about maybe seven years ago, I started doing that, which is really cool. Now, side note, I have like my daughter sends me hearts wherever I go. So now I have like 30 year olds <laughs> sending me hearts on in, you know, via Instagram through DMs who I taught. Yes. I'm old enough to have taught a 30 year old, <laughs> um, but it's just been such a wild journey to see how my loss made me change the way I taught. Right. I started to become vulnerable. I started to kind of like throw away my curriculum a little bit and to kind of dive into life as a classroom curriculum. Mm. So I was doing that back then, but I wasn't aware of it. It's like my spirit self was like, all right, we're doing this, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and now that I'm awakened to all of this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was already doing it, you know? So fast forward to now, um, about two years ago, I started to open up. I started my healing journey. I started to uncover so much about myself and it changed again, the way I taught, you know, I thought I was being vulnerable before sharing with my students and then giving them the space to open up back. Those are life skills that you and I were not taught as kids in a school setting. We were not taught how to traverse our mind. We were not taught how to breathe. We were not taught how to understand the unknown and why it might be happening. Um, or we're always in the unknown, but why certain things might be coming to us in that space. Um, so now that I am more open and I've had the experience of sharing my story and seeing my students open up, now I have this toolkit of like, okay, how can I change the system? How can I reach more kids, not just with me and my story? Like that was the old ego, you know, like now it's more like I need to be of service. I have this inside of me and it needs to come out and it needs to be given to these kids who don't have these tools so that they can handle a loss like mine in the future better than I did. And in the classroom, I started off just very basic. We would do like a strength and conditioning class, which is the class that you came and spoke to. And I would put them through like a five minute meditation at the end. And um, that school that I was at, they already had like a yoga and a meditation program going on, but I wasn't able to teach it. There was other teachers that were doing it. So I just was feeling like this. I, I feel like I need to leave this school. I feel like I need to do something different. Like I was feeling it in my heart back then, but my mind could only process it as I need to leave a school building to do this work. I wanted to reach outside the school walls and reach all these kids with these messages. And I just didn't know how, but I took the leap <laughs> and I left my job after 14 years. And my family was like, are you having a midlife crisis? Are you okay? <laughs> And I remember talking to you and I was like laying on my living room floor, like, what did I just do? Like, help me. And you're like, just breathe through the fear, just breathe through it. You were on the road. And I'm like, okay, 
you did this with football and that's such like in the spotlight. I just admired you so much. I'm like, if he can do that, then I can do this. <laughs> and that was the journey of learning to trust, you know, stepping out of this conversation real fast and looking again at the big picture. This is where I, I gained my legs. This is where I, I found my roots with the universe because I was able to be untethered, <laughs> literally with nothing to hold on to, no partner, no job. You know, I didn't know where I was going to get my next paycheck and I just was floating and I had support, you know, not many people, but you and my mentor, Anna, um, and Midge, one of the mediums. Hey, so I go to see Midge. Talk about Midge a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had them guiding me, but again, like I didn't, it just was a, a huge moment, but I knew I needed to reach kids in a different way. But again, my mind could only perceive it as me leaving schools to do this because I felt like it was too spiritual, you know, to be done in a school setting. And that's what pushed me away from the school. Well, come to find out the universe, somebody messages me, the universe again, talking to me saying like, Michelle, you're a great teacher. You shouldn't leave teaching. Why don't you get a job at Woodbury, this other school? So fast forward, I get hired in like five hours. That's how you know, you guys, when the universe wants you somewhere, it does it effortlessly. It does it fast. Um, we could talk about manifesting too, which I love. I feel like I've become a little like master manifester, which not master, but I can help people learn how to manifest quicker mm. um, because I had this experience of learning how to do it. But, um, and as you can see, I just sat up in my chair because I get really excited talking about that. <laughs> yeah, take us through it. I mean, because it, it is a big thing, especially nowadays, there's so many people going through this, right? For a lot of different reasons, but you know, there's moments in life when we go through big transitions and there's a lot of fear, right? Being untethered, being in the unknown. I very much experienced this when I left my relationship, my job, played football for 16 years. And I didn't know what the future had in store for me, but I was like, I'm going to trust this. And it wasn't easy. It took a lot of courage to, to, to go out and go discover and be open and communicate with the universe or this greater intelligence. Be like, what do you have in store for me? And like, I'm, I'm here to receive and you, it, it takes that openness to be open to those signs that the universe is trying to communicate to you. And a lot of people have an idea of, you know, when we're programmed from a young age, like this is what success looks like. This is what you need to do. And like, when we, we have this idea of what we need to do to find happiness and success. And so unless we can like really kind of work through that and trust like what wants to be experienced through me, what, what is trying, what is the universe trying to tell me and being open to that, and then trusting. And then it's just an amazing adventure of life, right? And then you can start really working with the experience, not projecting out into the future of why your life is not the way you want it to be, but being open to what is your life want, want, it, want itself to be, right? So explain mm -hmm. a little bit about that process being in the unknown and then you know the universe kind of bringing you back into what the work you're doing now. Um, real fast. So I forgot to mention that as I was leaving that teaching job, I had gotten into intuitive cards. Mm, yes. So I, I started, <laughs> but so that was me first really trusting in that communication. Cause I did not, gosh, I feel like I could talk for a really long time about all this. <laughs> um, you got nothing but time. But I got a hard stop in like 35 minutes, but that's it. <laughs> Thanks. No, no pressure. We could do a round two though. We could do a round two. Okay. Um, so the intuitive card, I started doing intuitive card readings. You know, I would go and see mediums after my daughter passed and they would connect to her and I would feel a little bit more okay with where she was. And that built, you know, reading those books, talking with mediums, connecting, and they would all say, Michelle, you have a little gift. And I'm like, no, I don't. And I was like running from it. You know, I didn't want to believe in it. Um, cause again, I didn't believe in readers. I didn't believe in mediums. I was so resistant to it until my sister took me to go see the Long Island medium. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. Sounds like a famous medium. Yeah. She's got her own TV show and all this stuff. Uh -huh. And there was an like, arena with 4,000 people. Well, I was the first one she read out of 4,000. Wow. She mentioned the gender mix up. Yeah. yeah. Wow. She mentioned everything. So from that day forward, the day before that, I didn't believe in mediums. And then that day I was like, okay, I believe. Yeah. And then I started with the cards. And then I was like, oh, I, I feel like I know this. I know that I can do this because I was drawn to these animal cards. It was a spirit animal deck that I had by Kim Kranz. And I started to do that. And as I was leaving my job, I would pull cards every day. I would pull cards for friends. 
And I would just feel so calm because I felt like I was getting direct communication. I wasn't necessarily getting those messages so clearly with just me and my angels and my guides and my spirit fam, as I call them, and Micah. Like I couldn't feel like I could just meditate and get messages, even with my idea to to, um, ask you to come be a guest speaker. I didn't know that that was a message back then. It was just an idea. I thought it was my imagination, you know? Mm. And as I was in the unknown of leaving my job and having that summer to really think about it, I dove deep into my readings because I was like, okay, this is a source of income. I have to survive, you know? And that just built more faith and trust in me being able to to do that and to kind of like get out of my own way and let spirit speak through me and channel and you know, start to bring people these messages. So what happened was I started doing these readings for people and I was using partial my mind. I was using my mind to offer the therapy, the love, the compassion, teaching them how to forgive for, you know, life things that are happening to you. No, they're happening for you. Mm. You know, you don't want to like have hatred towards something for the rest of your life because of something, you know, quote unquote, bad happened to you, how that's like you drinking the poison and expecting somebody else to die. You're only hurting yourself. So I learned through these readings that, okay, wow, I feel like there's like two beings here. <laughs> like I'm channeling messages from a higher power. That's, you know, I would think back and be like, did I just say that? Cause that didn't sound like me, but then I felt my logical mind come in and it was really my heart just sharing love and compassion. So as I was doing that during the summer, I was just like, okay, I kind of got out of my own way. And that's when I became open to my next steps. When I was in the unknown on the floor, (laughs) just got out of the shower, like, what am I doing with my life? What's my next job? And if you're going through that right now, somebody out there, patience, patience, do not grip, do not pull, don't force, be in the boat, drop the oars. And just allow the universe to guide you to what's next. And I trust, like, I just trust that it will be brought to you. You do not have to go out and seek it. But when it does show up on your doorstep, you got to unpack it and you got to take action with it. Mm. You know, just like I got that message. Hey, Michelle, you should go. You know, you're a great teacher. You should go work at Woodbury. I took action on that. I didn't just let that message sit there because guess what? If I would have taken action and it didn't work out, then that's the universe saying, nope, not that door. You know, let's keep going. So you entertain any kind of manifestation that you're drawing in. You always entertain what life brings you, whether it's a text, whether it's somebody nudging you to do something, you just entertain everything and you'll always be guided. Mm. And you, you don't have to go out and search for your next steps. So to fast forward, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think it's an important to, to really learn uh, and develop a, a stillness practice and dropping into how you're feeling and understanding that's at, at times, that's how the, the universe communicates with us is how we feel like you get that text. If it doesn't feel good in your body, then you're going to know, like, you know, you take some time, like, how does this feel? in my body and being able to quiet that logical thinking mind of like, I just left school. Like this doesn't feel, I'm trying to get away from this. But if you just like slow down, drop in and say, how, how does this feel? Like, what is the lesson here? Oh, let me, let me, it does feel right. Let me go after it. And so I think learning to trust how you feel in your body, like that's how the universe communicates with us. It's not even like you, you know, talking about having this connection in this channel and like understanding the difference between that, that ego logical mind and then the, the feeling and the, and the messages that are coming through from this, this higher intelligence. And it's really about, it doesn't necessarily communicate with you in like words, right? It's like this feeling or these visuals and it's, that's the, the crazy thing about a consciousness, right? Like we are only aware or conscious of like 5% of this reality, 5% of our own things. And there's this, there's this deep unconscious, which is like God or the universe or the spirituality, like this thing that is permeating this entire experience and being able to communicate. It communicates to us in signs, in different ways and feelings and being able to open to that. And I think talking about the cards and, um, and channeling. And like, I, I had that inner skeptic big time with all of that stuff. And a little thing for me on the, on the tarot card reading 
in, and this is the same thing with journaling that I found is like, if you want to really process something, like get in front of your computer and just start typing and maybe ask yourself a question and then just see what comes out. It's like, you're having a communication with that higher intelligence that can speak through you in that way. And same thing goes with tarot cards. Like when I pull a tarot card, like the beautiful thing is if you can just not have resistance, pull a card, read what it says in the thing. And it's really like whatever's coming up for you by from reading that, like that's the message. And that's why you could, you could pull the same card a week apart and something different comes up. That is the communication that's trying to have for you. It's not like the actual message you're reading or what the card looks like. It's what your subconscious is interpreting that card to mean. That's the lesson. And so it, 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 it takes away this like, oh, that's just really woo-woo spiritual. It's like, well, there's really grounded. If you talk about, you know, the psyche, there is this deep unconscious to the psyche and being able to have a communication with that part of the psyche, I think can really help uh, in this guidance of, of, of healing and direction in your life as well. Love that. Yeah, that for the tarot and the animal cards and the oracle decks that I use, I do find what I'll do a lot of times is I'll get a card from one deck you know, say it's two of swords. And then I have another tarot deck with a different author or something. And I'll get called to read a different description, but of that same card, but not by the original author. Mm. And that didn't start happening until I had to get out of my own way. So it takes, like you said, you started off talking a little bit ago about that awareness of being able to drop in. I think for me, I put such pressure on myself. If anybody out there is looking to be an intuitive reader, or you just feel a call in your heart and you're you get your first deck of cards and you're like, I don't know where to begin. You know, I remember sitting there putting so much pressure on myself to have to know what every card meant. Mm. And that's not the point of it. The point of it is you just pull the card. Just like you said, if you're having a thought, that is the message. And then, but you have to have a clear mind, like scatter free from your day, from that, you know, the busyness, you have to be present in that moment to see, to be the observer of, Oh, I just thought that mm. so it's almost like you have to be out of your body, watching your body, pull the card and then be like, Oh, I just had this thought. Okay. That's the message I need to deliver to deliver to my client or to myself and then sit down and journal it, which is something I highly recommend for all of my clients is after they get the book descriptions, I'll send them pictures after my reading as confirmation, you know, they can reread it or listen, re-listen to the reading. I have them journal the descriptions because I want to teach them to get out of their own way. When you're journaling, when you're writing, you know, that's a form of channeling. So when I'm teaching them to journal the descriptions of the card or journal what I'm saying in the reading, if they're listening, I then have them become aware of what's coming up for them as they're writing it. Mm. And that's essentially teaching them how to connect to their, their higher self. And a lot of them are like, Oh my gosh, I always thought journaling had to be like, right. Your 10 things you're grateful for, <laughs> you know, or which is fabulous too. But um, yeah, something magical about the free flow stream of consciousness journaling of like what's coming to your mind. Cause it's, cause I think it, it allows you to step into that observer mode. Right. Cause I think a lot of times, and that's, that's really this, this evolution of, of consciousness and spirituality is like realizing that you're not your thoughts. Like you are not your triggers. You are not those things and being able to step behind the curtain, so to speak, and observe those things. And that's how you have the awareness to start working through them. Like back to the example of if, if a car cuts me off on the road and I get this intense feeling of anger in my chest and I'm like, fuck that person. Like, oh, but like, being able to like have the tools to just take a breath and then drop into like, Whoa, why is this coming up for me? And then being able to retell myself the story and observing it. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing that is, is challenging for people is like, well, what are you talking about? Like I am my thoughts, like that's what I'm doing and being able to create those tools and those practices to drop into the observer. And I want to kind of get back into what you're doing with the kids, because I think that is a huge part of educating. And it's so important, especially with where we're going collectively to really show up and raise better children to be better people in society is giving these, them these tools to not react, but to be able to create the life that they want to live by observing their triggers and their emotions and everything and be able to work through them and heal them and then show up and be present with the life as it unfolds and not getting lost in these projections, these regrets, these stories that our mind creates. Yeah. So when you said your thoughts create your reality, I was immediately reminded of last night sitting here and I'm creating my journals for my program for the kids. So each day in this program, um, 
they are going to journal and I, I force them to ask questions like, why is this happening to me? Why do I feel this way? Like, you know, all the stuff that we were never taught. And the title of the journal is your thoughts create your reality. So that's the one I wrote last night. So this is perfect that we're talking about it. So when you were like, let's get back to what you're doing, I'm like, yes, you're reading my mind. Um, so this program that I created, um, I did it for second graders through eighth graders. I was approached last July to create this. And um, it is 30, a 30 day program. It's called 30 days to a mindful heart. And I created that title in memory of my daughter. Um, Cause I see this as her and I doing this together and instilling these messages into kids all over. And it's being sold on a website called scholastics.com. So basically <clears throat> schools in Canada, schools all over the U S can purchase it. It's amazing, which is me getting back to wanting to get out of the traditional walls of a classroom. And this was the universe brought me this opportunity. And it's one of those things where you say yes. And then you figure it out later. Yep. I was like, I got oh, approached. Trust. I said, yes. And I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm like, I've been teaching in a classroom for so long. I don't know how to film myself. Like, mm-hmm. so anyway, um, it's so, I don't even, I, when I was creating it, I had no idea the magnitude of it. And I just was doing it. It was just like, okay, this is my service. I got to do it. So it's 30 minutes long, 30 videos. And it's like a cute little opening, like a YouTube video. And then it's, they have a couple minutes to journal. And then I teach for about seven minutes about the journal topic. Um, So I wanted to get them in the habit of writing. And then they do a little movement. um, And then I guide them through a meditation at the end. So it's like an awesome you know, the two things that you talked about that were, are not in the education system, I feel like I'm tackling one of those by doing this. And they are getting the tools to handle all of life's, um, just everything that we are living, you know, the unknown, dealing with stress, anxiety, how to handle when bad things happen to us, how can we see them as good? So the topic of each lesson um, if you read all the topics, you'd be like, yes, Michelle, yes, yes, this is good. This is good. Like every single topic is spot on with what we're talking about. So essentially a third grader is now listening to this type of conversation and they're understanding it mm. because of these teachings. And I'm having them learn how to listen to their intuition. I'm having them learn that nature clears their energy. I'm teaching them about energy. Um, so I am so, so passionate about this program and now I'm creating a high school version where I'm diving a little bit deeper into like manifesting your thoughts, create your reality. How can we shift out? How can we be in the flow? So what is the, what has the feedback been from the students and is there any resistance from parents? Cause I know, you know, some people, we talk about these kind of things and if they're in kind of a, a more closed minded, uh, reality or in like, let's say just the Christian upbringing, they think this is, you know, evil or bad, or it's, it's kind of programming the kids into this thing rather than like giving them the tools to navigate life with more presence and peace and equanimity and, and connecting with love for themselves and for the experience of life have you experienced any resistance from parents and what has the feedback been from, from the kids that have gone through the program? Um, so because it is sold in so many, like it's not sold in so many different States, but the States that it is in um, all good feedback. And I've been asking the saleswoman, Jess, she's amazing. Jess, I love you. If you're listening, <laughs> um, she has been, she was a field hockey teammate of mine, which is so cool that, that her and I, cool. Yeah. She moved out to California. So we grew up in New Jersey and, and she's the one that DM'd me and was like, I need this. Our program needs mindfulness. These kids need these messages. So she says the feedback is phenomenal. Um, no resistance. And as far as like me doing it locally, like in my own school, it is, it was magical to see when COVID hit that was before I created the program, but I was doing this basic program in person. I hadn't created it virtually yet. I was, I created a meditation room at my high school, the new school that I was working with. They were like, Michelle, do your thing, do whatever you want. You know, kids need this. And I was like, okay. So I created this beautiful room with lights and yoga mats. And it's like, you know, we have the students at my school, like inner city type of tough kids, you know, going through struggles at home. And so school is their safe place, you know? So now I'm creating like a safe room within another, you know, angle for them in this this building. And it just was perfect because when COVID hit, it was just like, thank God for meditation. 
thank, I know how to feel so anxious, but I know how to calm myself down when there's nobody else around to save me. Cause if you think about it, when we're all quarantined, can you imagine like a little like sixth grader who doesn't have the best household and there's screaming and plates being thrown and things going on. And they're now trapped in that environment for a long, who they don't know how long. So my heart was racing when we went, when we went into quarantine for my students, because I just was, you know, you hear stories about some of your students and their home lives and you're just like, Oh, I just want to pick them up and take them home with me, you know? But it was such a gift to be able. So I haven't had any, any negative feedback from parents to answer your question. Um, and if anything, it's the complete opposite. It's just, wow, thank you for giving my kid these tools because they needed that during quarantine. Yeah. Is there, maybe there's some, some parents listening and, and they like, wow, this would really, I'd really love for my kid to go through this program. Is there a way for them to access it? Is it online or how? Yeah. So um, maybe I could give you a link that you could post it somewhere. Um, but yeah, if, we can put it in the show notes. Um, yeah. It's called scholastics.com. Um, and you can just go on and click on virtual learning and just look for mindfulness and you can purchase it. And you can even watch a clip of my first episode on there. Um, but yeah, it's my baby. It's Micah and I, it's our little, it's our service to the world to help these kids, um, learn what you and I didn't get to learn growing up, you know? Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's really, really amazing work. I think it's really important. And especially where we're at collectively uh, as a society and a culture. And I think these are the things that we really need to start talking about is giving kids the tools to navigate life and be more present and work through the challenges that life is, you know, we're faced with and being able to grow through those rather than be, you know, the victim of them. I think that's such a huge, huge thing. And um, we're coming up on time. I want to definitely leave some time for us to discuss what your secret is to the universe, which is going to be for any of our, premium members. Um, if you're not a premium member, it's just $7 a month and you get access to a lot of really cool content like uh, these extended episodes. I'm going to ask uh, Michelle here what her secret to the universe is. And you're not going to want to miss that. If you are not a premium member, you can go down to the show notes and sign up. It's just $7 a month. That's the cost of a Starbucks coffee nowadays. And it really goes a long way in helping uh, support this podcast. I do have a backend team that you know just costs money to, to produce this. And so just trying to figure out ways for you guys who are um, really amazing support to support uh, financially. If you do not feel called to support financially, you can support this podcast by leaving a review, uh, rating it and sharing it with somebody that you think might resonate with, um, with the show. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe and uh, yeah, Michelle, where can people find you if they want to reach out, maybe get a card reading and connect with you. And I know, you know, I'd love to hear the listeners, like what you thought of this episode. I definitely would love to have Michelle that kind of come on again and dive deeper into some of these topics. So definitely let me know, let her know what you thought of the podcast. And if there's any specific topics you'd like us to dive deeper in, in round two, maybe at some point in the future. Um, but yeah, Michelle, where can people find you? My Instagram handle is shushgirl17. And I have a link in my bio um, that you can, if you want to work with me, if you just want to connect with me, if you're grieving a loss and you're feeling alone, or you maybe just even scrolling my feed, you might find some inspiration. Um, I'd be happy to be there for you to offer some support. So again, my Instagram is shushgirl17 and the link in the bio, you can kind of search and and read more about me. Awesome. All that will be in the show notes and we would love to hear from you. Uh, make sure you leave, just take a few seconds, leave a five-star review. It goes a long way in helping support the podcast and free premium members stick around for the extended episode. 